State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of Street Politicians, the, the place, place where the streets, streets and politics meet. What's going on, my son, Lennon? You had a rough few days. Yeah, it's been a little rough, man. Well, let me just say to you that the entire Street Politicians and Until Freedom family um, we want to send our deepest, deepest condolences to you and the Lennon family in this time of loss. Your mother, Patricia Lennon, a very, very, very special woman who I had the privilege of calling a friend and getting to meet her at all of your functions, especially Miriam Day, where we all uh, learned about feisty Patricia. Uh, and she really has taken so many of us on as her children, friends, sisters. Um, and so over time, I, I, you know, I've learned how beautiful she is as a woman and just such a, a strong warrior spirit. And it also helps to give me a real close understanding of who you are and how you came to be the feisty man that sometimes you are that gets on my nerves, but you know, that's for a different show. Um, and so just wanna say that we love you, we support you. Uh, and I know that this is not a time that, you know, is even, you can't even understand it. You know, I hear people talk all the time about when they lose their um, parent, it is, you know, most indescribable. Um, but we, as your village, will continue to be here to walk you through uh, what this new life looks like without your mom. And, and I think the last thing I'll say is that we know at Until Freedom, particularly, and, and also the street politicians family, we've watched you leave meetings, rooms, adjust schedules, have to tra not travel at times, um, you know, change things around so that your schedule would accommodate you being there to take care of your mom, being there to walk her through these last very difficult two years of her life. 
Um, and we know that, you know, even if sometimes it doesn't feel that way to you, that you really show the rest of us what it's like to take care of a parent when they are in need. So shout out to you and salute to you for being a stalwart in your family in terms of taking care of your mother, Mom Patricia Lennon. Thank you, man. It's not a lot to say. You know, I don't want to get really emotional, but um, that was my favorite girl, man. And, um, the energy, the strength, and the belief she gave me about myself and life is unmatched. And, you know, watching her fight for the last two years with a strength, with a smile, looking at me, you know, looking in my eyes, just wanting me to know that she was fighting was just something that was phenomenal, man. And I was there with her on our final moments, you know, and I told her how proud I was. And, you know, I couldn't ask for anything. I'm just happy and honored to have been, to still be her son, mm -hmm. you know, and I hope that, you know, I did something that made her proud. So with you that, are. sleep in peace. You make us all proud. You still a scrub, but you make us all proud. <laughs> we love you. You know, we going, one thing about Patricia, she always had a laugh. And so yeah. we're going to continue to make sure we keep it light for, for, for you and for all of us. You know, it, that, that makes me think about this whole idea of elder care, man, and how we also, as a part of um, street politicians, we really, and, and just our organizational efforts, we really got to get people our age and before our age to start thinking about taking care of their parents. Because I learned, even before Patricia was, you know, got sick, I learned from my mother's experience that, whoa, we're not prepared. You know, we're not really ready for what it takes to care for and all the things financially, emotionally, what happens if they need to live with you or you got to figure out how to be with them? What happens at night when they're sick? It's so many things that goes into taking care of your older loved one and not to and your parent because you become the parent and not to mention there are not a lot of resources out there to help you take care of them. You know, and so I learned that with my family, thank God my father is still here and able to take care of my mother every day, which means that the burden of that work is not on my sister and my brother, my siblings and me, but yet and still it wears and tears on him. Like we really should probably be doing even more. You know what I'm saying? So it is really just watching you looking at what happened in my situation and what continues to happen there and just our friends and others who are trying to care for their parents. We have to be more educated. Nobody ever taught us that. You know, nobody told us what to do. We always was one, were the ones being taken care of. It's a lot, man. It's, 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 it's a heavy, you know, it's a heavy um, cross to bear, you mm -hmm. know, and I think, but you want to, you know, I think we have children. I think they had us. They said, you take care of your children so eventually they can take care of you. And it was an honor for me, man, just to be able to be somebody that she needed to, you know, to, to feel that she needed me. And I had to come through for her all the time and be able to have a smile and, and know that when she seen me there, she felt safe. You know, every time I would be with her, 
doctor's appointments, anything, no matter what it was, she wanted me to be there because she felt that she was safe every time I was there. And I remember being a kid and you know what, you don't care what you're going through. You just want to hold your mommy's hand, mm-hmm. you know, or your daddy's hand because it made you feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, she would do that to me. So I was just, I was blessed to be able to be there for her. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, it is a blessing and you're right. You know, when, when my mom was in the hospital, we just picked up and just jumped into it. Even if nobody ever taught you, which we do need those, that information, what do you do about their finances and, you know, all of that. But at the same time, I think it is natural because you have learned from your parents. It's like a spirit that gets in you that you want to help them. You're going to fight. You're going to make sure people take care of them properly. But I do think that there's so much more to uncover um, and, and break down in terms of what are the steps that people need to know, like what documents need to be signed, power of attorneys, you know, paper, shoot. These are things people are like, what is the power? I didn't know, even know what that was. I had no idea that it, I needed a form so I could have the, the ability to speak on my mother's behalf. I had no idea. You, I thought I'm my mother's child. That's it. This is my mother's husband. My sis, This is my mother's daughter. That's it. It doesn't actually work that way. It really not, it doesn't, not that it doesn't actually work that way. It does not work that way. There are literal documents that people have to have so that they can have conversations with doctors and otherwise on behalf of, of um, parents. So elder care, we're going to get into that and make sure that we cover and, you know, in, in memory of Patricia Lennon, we want to make sure we cover that and, and help people to know what do they do when their parent is in distress. So again, RIP to your mom and we love and, and support you so much. So there's so many things that's happening in the midst of, you know, you dealing with your situation. There's, um, you know, the news, it doesn't, it, nothing stops. The cycle doesn't stop of craziness going on around us. Um, just a couple of days ago, I saw a video of the young people, or I don't even know if they were young people, they had masks and whatnot. So I'm not gonna put this on young people, but some folks who look like our people because their skin looked dark, running into a, the Louis Vuitton store, which is in the mall that I frequent. And actually I've been in that Louis Vuitton store a million times. It's been there for years and they were doing a smash and grab. And I'm like, wow, this is still happening. Maybe the media is not covering it as much, but it's still happening. I'm trying, you know, and I know that we all, mice, we want to say, well, you know, the system and it's a sign of the times and whatever. But I'm like, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how do we make that stop before somebody gets killed? Because I saw the, the, the people doing the smash and grab, but there were staff members, clerks or you know, salespeople, excuse me, who chased the security guard step back. Yeah. I don't know if you watched this video. I watched it. The security guard got out the way, but the, the salespeople followed and chased these folks around the mall. I, I just feel like, what if somebody would have fell down the escalator? Like, what happens if somebody gets harmed? And it makes me so scared every time. I could care less about the bags, the shoes, the clothes, the whatever, but the, the, like, the life, it, whether it's the robber or the salesperson or whatever, 
I just don't know where this ends. And I, and it's easy for us to say, well, you just gotta, you know, they need to do better It's inflation because it is inflation, which is very serious. Like people can't even afford groceries, clothes, anything. But is it enough that because there is the problem of inflation that people are now going out just deciding they're going to take what they want? I, I don't think it's just inflation. I think it's glamorization, right? Mm -hmm. I think when you go on Instagram, when you go on YouTube and everybody who is a status symbol, right? When everybody has on Louis Vuitton and they're saying, this Louis costs this much and I got the Louis this and every song is talking about that, right? And you, 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 you're from a community and, and from a household where you can't afford that, mm -hmm. right? So you, you feel like you need these things to validate you. You have these things and you are in the in crowd. You, you can be accepted. You can put it on Instagram. You can say, look what I got. You know what I'm saying? And I say that about most of these brands. These brands are status symbols. They're not because most people don't buy these brands like, oh, this just looks so dope, right? Mm -hmm. You, you. Mm -hmm. I watch Louis, some of the ugliest Louis Vuitton shit I've ever seen. You know, some of the ugliest Gucci's, like it's some of the stuff that people wear, you know, those Balenciaga sneakers that look like orthopedic shoes. I just would never wear them. But people say, oh, they cost a thousand dollars. And these, they got jeans that be so ugly that they cost a thousand dollars. They say, oh, these are mirrors. You don't, they don't care. You look at like, damn, them jeans don't really look good. Like you look at those boots that shout out to Fat Joe that he had on, right? And you look and say, I'm just not gonna wear those, right? But and they Kanye's, the but they Kanye's. They Kanye's and, and they cost this amount of money. Now, you know, since people can go into these stores and they've seen it happen on YouTube, they've seen the little smash and grab, people are taking their try, man. So I but think- But it's so serious. It's not like funny, like it's really serious. I don't know, I mean, it scares the hell out of me. And I think you're right, Instagram and all of that, it does make it, and I don't, and listen, I'm not one to tell people that they shouldn't wear their, their Poochie, Tucci, and Louie. That's fine with me, I support it because I wear some of it as well. But like this right here was like $29. Like I, it, you don't have to always have uh, the highest brands and you either have, you got a phenomenon of either people buying fake stuff, trying to keep up or people buying or people stealing in order to keep up. And I just, you know, like I said, I hope nobody gets hurt. So listen, the last thing in our little news segment, because, you know, we try to do a little bit of news on the, on street politician, mass mandates are being lifted in a lot of places. And there's certain people that are bugged out. Um, who are okay with that. And I say that, I was really talking about you, but I'll give you opportunity to tell me how you think on your own, because I think we should be wearing masks 24 seven. Sometimes you catch me, I be having my mask on in my car, which is kind of crazy. But, and I, I mean, I know that's a little bit extra, but I, I kind of find myself trying to wear my mask as much as possible. And I don't always do it when I should, but I try. So now that the mandates are being lifted, people are going to get even more lax. Hopefully, we have passed the point of COVID being this big, bad thing. And now we're getting to a point where we understand we got to live with it. We need to be healthy. We need to eat right, take care of ourselves. You got many people, especially people who are vulnerable, who are vaccinated, um, and, and hopefully that's the direction we're traveling in. But I can't lie and say that I don't feel a little concerned that you got people out here, a lot of them nasty asses anyway, who won't have their masks on. 
I think for me, the word mandate has, has always been the issue for me, right? I think people such as yourself who don't like to be around germs, right? You can get an you can get a N95 mask. You can wear two masks, right? You can protect yourself. They they have things that actually protect any level of anybody else's breath from getting to you, and that's that's something that you should be able to do, right? I think, and I, and and those things just like. When you walk in a restaurant, if you don't want somebody next to you, you can move places, right? There are people who have been traumatized so much by the pandemic that they never want to be around other people, right? <laughs> They're never going to not wear their mask. It's just a reality that we deal with. I, you know, for me personally, I don't see, I don't think, I think there are so many different, you know, viruses and diseases that, that are as contagious and have can have adverse effects that we've been living with without masks for a long time. Everybody doesn't agree with that. And I understand some people think that they want to, they feel that the mask is the most safest thing for them. And I think you can still wear masks. It's just that it's not mandated, right? You know, everybody doesn't want to wear masks. Everyone doesn't feel that they require to wear masks. That's an individual's choice. I think when you start, when we live in America and you start taking away an individual's choice, you know, when the science and the numbers show you that COVID is just as effective as pretty much. You mean effective. What do you mean? I mean, COVID it, is it, effective. I don't know what that means. Well, it, it affects people in a manner that just about any other virus that we've ever had. It has the same, mm-hmm. it has the same. I'm not going to argue with you today. It's not. I'm just trying. I'm trying to explain something to you. It had the same mortality rate. It actually has lower mortality rates than most viruses. What? What are you talking about? Six hundred thousand people died in months. Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you. And if you look at more the rate of mortality, right, and the rate of something is the amount of people who have been affected by something, mm-hmm. in comparison to the amount of people who have recovered and people who have actually died, right? So if you look throughout any historical, any virus that we've had, the rate of mortality, the rate of recovery is pretty much even to all of the viruses we have. This is not something I'm thinking. This is what the CDC says. This is what the this, the um, thing says. So, I would challenge that. But Okay, you can challenge it. So what I'm trying to say is the reason, and that's the reason why the mandates are coming off because the science shows that it's safe enough to do so. And if the director said she don't think we out of the woods, but I, you know what? I don't even know why I said that because I'm glad you just said that. I don't even know why I said that because what they say every two days. So the reality situation is nobody knows and you got to make yourself as safe as you, you feel that you need to be, you need to wear three masks, with three masks, you feel like you need to stay home and don't go to indoor dining. Don't do it. You know, people just, you make sure that you're comfortable and you're safe. Anyway, so moving on, let me tell you about how we are about to be done. We have talked way uh, too long already because our guests are ready to join and we're going to have to go to them. My little thought of the day was going to be about uh, Black Lives Matter donations. And I really wanted to talk about whether or not all Black people look the same. That was going to be my thought of the day. Like, do people really think that all of us are the same exact uh, person, right? Because that's what they yeah. just, all, all Everybody looks the same. So I wanted to break that down. 
Well, we don't have time today because our guests are already waiting. I'm super excited. Let's go to this great conversation. Um, and it's going to be actually two different conversations today with people that we love that are just super dope. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The one million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. That's how we own it! So, Mice, we've got friends, as usual. On, on uh, Street Politicians is, is a very friendly place because we have such great friends that do such incredible, incredible work. And it's just super, 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 super dope. And the two individuals that we have today are our friends, our dear, dear brother and, brother and sister. Um, I think, you know, as we, it seems like we try to do our one Valentine's Day show and then it was just so much more that we talked about that needs to be covered about 
not just people in relationships from a love perspective. We've been talking about polyamorous relationships. We've been talking about traditional relationships. But there's so much to be said about folks just working together and being in a relationship. How much is too much? How much time is too much time to spend together? Uh, you know, how much is not enough? Like, you know, how do you really be a great helpmate? And I think one of the things that um, Derek Grace, excuse me, Derek Grace said in his interview was that his helpmate has helped to really change his reality and helped him to grow his business and his potential. That's one of the things that, you know, as I, as I try to find my husband, my king, that is one of the things that I really want to make sure is that we have, we're invested in one another's growth from a business perspective as well, because that's what I like to do. I like to get my hands in and I like to, you know, help to, in any situation, make whoever I'm working with, whoever I'm living with, loving and or just good friends with, help them to be better and you help me to be better. And I don't know if enough people are invested in that. And so I think that our next, our guest that they exemplify what it is to support one another and to be helpmates, but also still uh, carrying on a very, very successful relationship. So we are talking to Jay Morrison and Ernestine Johnson Morrison, the, the great, um, let me just tell y'all quickly about these two individuals separately are really dynamic individuals um, Ernestine, you are an actress, yes. you are a filmmaker, you are an incredible poet, which is how I was introduced to your amazing talents. You're an entrepreneur, you're a mom, you are so many things, you wear so many different titles, you're a fashionista. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jay, who um, I've known for a long time, Jay and I, have sort of grown over these last, I don't know, maybe 10 years together trying to find our space in this quest to make our communities better, to build you know, a future for our children and for generations to come. And so Jay is an educator. That's how I met Jay, teaching classes with a whiteboard. Give Jay a whiteboard, he could do anything. Um, a business mogul, a real estate expert, uh, the founder of the Tulsa Real Estate Fund, of which I am also, and you, my son, um, we are invested in, we're partners of, look, I always say it wrong and Jay gets me right every time, so he's going to fix it when it's time for him to speak. A dad of three beautiful, beautiful uh, women, they're women and a baby girl, because the, the big girls are women now. From when we first met to now, these are, you know, our, our women. So you guys separately are amazing, but together y'all are the dynamic duo, the powerhouse couple. So listen, guys, y'all, these are our friends and we're ready to kick it with y'all about the doing business as a couple. Yes. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you for that grand introduction. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good now. <laughs> Thank you, sis. Thank you, street politicians, man. We uh, uh, we're happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy. So, what's the secret? Tell what's the, what is the secret to your success as a couple, success as business people? Like, what what do you think is the core thing? Like the major things that you have to look for to have that level of success in both areas. I start by saying uh, purpose alignment. I think is really the secret and also what we 
found as we're now like going on our third year, going on our fourth year married. I think July be four years already. Yeah, July be four years. Wow. So um, also knowing that we don't know everything, like we don't got it all figured out and, under, and accepting that it's a journey, right? And so we're constantly evolving as individuals, like spiritually and business professionally. Um, obviously I'm a visionary, so I always got different ideas and want to be the best CEO of our last name, right? Leader and visionary of the family. And I think just understand that we don't got it all figured out and that we're doing this thing called life together. And we're um, so it's important for me to make sure that I'm, I'm cleaving to her and being patient as she's being patient with me as I'm figuring myself out still, I'm still growing as a person, as a man. I don't even know fully where I'm supposed to be all the way, right? So I'm still figuring that out while she's still figuring herself out and momhood for the first time and all that. We're just being patient with each other as we figure it out together. To piggyback off what King Jay said, um, and my son, I don't think that there are any shortcuts. So if anyone out there thinks that there's a shortcut, there's not. Like, I think that on top of what King Jay said, the shortcut is, the secret really is work. Like it's really putting in the work. Like everything that you wanna do, whether it's business, whether it's relationship, it all takes work. There are no shortcuts. There is no like secret mag magic potion that you can drink and it just, you blossom and you arrive. I think everything takes work. And Jay and I are both very intentional about working on ourselves individually. We're very intentional about working on our marriage. We read books together. We do marriage counseling together. Even when it's challenging, when it hurts, when it's icky and sticky, um, we face it and we dissect it and we do the work. Like we do the work necessary to be the best versions of ourselves, which in turn makes us the best version for each other. So I think the secret sauce, the, the, the shortcut is just putting in the work. Mm, putting in the work. So you know what? I want to go backwards because I remember when you talked about purpose alignment, Jay, that struck for me and just reminded me of how you guys started, mm -hmm. um, where it seemed, and I may be wrong, but it seemed that Jay was, you know, he was out there, like, you know, the corner classes, the whole thing, he was out traveling with his whiteboard around with the vision and you seem to be very supportive of that, Ernestine. Like as if, you know, and, it, and then I would watch as we would be, you know, out on the streets or watching you guys out around the country and you would come and, and do poetry during the middle of a street, you know, gathering of people learning about financial security and, and, and really how we go from the block and the corner to like sustainable communities. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and you found your, your messaging was intertwined. So is that kind of like what made y'all say, okay, this can work because you guys were able to mesh so well in the very beginning when you were trying to like figure out how to expand? Yes. I would absolutely say that the connectivity in the beginning, that our purposes were so aligned, the vision, the messaging was so aligned that it made it easier for us to work together. It made it easy for us to align because the vision was the same. The vision was the same, the purpose was the same. And although Jay may have had um, in his individual walk and I had my individual walk, it was like what God brought us together. It was like, this is how you can take your individual vision and purpose and your individual vision and purpose and combine the two because they they were almost like hand and they went they went hand in hand with each other yeah mm. yeah and i would say like um we often say and i grew up the same way you said you used the term help me right and i've always thought of it like that till a few years ago actually ernestine's grandfather rest in peace uh explained to us that the bible actually says help me when mm. you read it it says mm. if i find a help meet because she's to help you meet your vision 
And as I've been studying later and help you achieve your goals, right? So God created man, right? Depending on religious perspective, but this term help me or help me comes from the Bible really. And it's, it's, it's God created man and he created a woman. So man was not alone and God gave man a purpose and a woman was to help, help that man meet his purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And that man was to love and sacrifice for that woman. And so I think like, as I was out on the corner classes, um, you know, on your tail at uh, protests and, and demonstrations all over the country and just trying to offer myself of service to our community. Um, you know, I was like in the dating game. And it was all about like what looks pretty and what's fly and, you know, all the physical attraction and those things. And when I met Ernestine, it was like great energy, great vibes. Uh, and when I did a corner class here in Atlanta and I seen her like perform a black love and dear black man, and there was just something magical because it was like uh, she was in her own element and space. She wasn't like trying to like be in my space, but with her own talents and gifts, they just complemented the exact community repair that I want to try to you know uh, contribute to or achieve. Um, and so yeah, uh, I think when you have the alignment of purpose, as she said, it just made it easier. I was like, oh, this is a woman right here that can, in a different way, help me meet what I believe is my purpose and my, my goals. Mm, that's dope. You know, I, I, I've been along this road with you guys, you know, both of you, my good friends. And, you know, I've watched y'all when y'all started this relationship, watched the evolution, was at your wedding, you know, seeing y'all bring forth a beautiful child together. Is there anything about marriage that you thought before that has changed? Like, how long have you been married now? It will be four years in July. Yeah. Yes. Is there any ideologies or things or just visions about marriage that you thought prior to being married that have changed, evolved, or you were like, you you know, it, it either evolved or it just changed. Like, well, I thought this what marriage was, or I thought this, or I thought that. Has, has it changed for you in any way? Yeah, absolutely. I, I can definitely say um, marriage is ever-changing. I think it's ever-evolving. Um, I think I had an idea of marriage in my head as a woman like a little bit of the fairy tale not all the way because i'm not a fairy tale person i'm very realistic but i think there was a sector of the fairy tale marriage and married life what it, what it looked like in a little piece of it in my heart and then i think when you get into it you realize these are two different people from two different walks of life with different habits and kinks and quirks and personality traits that have now combined into one and you don't think about it that way. You're like, wow, like you have to learn to live with this person and their behavioral and their traits and their and their their little habits and like you have to learn this person. It's like it's like becoming family. It's almost like when if you were a brother or a sister, you had a sibling, and then a new sibling entered the home. It's like you have to get to know this this person in your atmosphere. So I think you don't really think about it like that when you when you think about marriage. But I think now that I'm in it, I'm like, okay, wow, you have to learn this person, you have to grow with this person, you have to evolve with this person, this person has to evolve with you. And, you know, they say you change every seven years, but I feel like we're always ever changing. I think we're changing daily. So I think it's a it's a very serious commitment to say, I want to be on this journey with you through the evolution, through the changes, through the personality changes, through the behavioral traits, I want to be on this journey with you. Yeah. And I think when I heard Jay talking about you know, because I was on the dating, uh, whatever, on that trail with Jay too. We watched a few you know, stuffs happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you talked about being attracted to 
a certain thing. It was what the person looked like. But I'm sure that it helped that when you saw Ernestine, it was like, she's dope. She's a poet. She got all this going on. But that thing also be thinging back there because she walked out <laughs> that wagon. You can't it not see it. It did just, it, it doesn't disappear. It thinks. So, so oh, mice don't know because my brothers don't look. We got that's right, them. man. I wouldn't. That's my sister. I, I, I've never seen. <laughs> I, all I ever seen was Ernestine's face and a smile. I exactly. wouldn't even get into it. Listen, yeah, right. What y'all always say is nobody wants the person that no one else wants. Everybody wants to look at their person and say, I know y'all know I got a bad woman. So <laughs> I, I'm sure that was also a part of how you were like, okay, I found you, it seemed like at some point you kind of find everything, like it, it, you get satisfied in so many different ways. It's almost like God's way of being like, I, I can give you what you need if you would be open to receive it. Mm. Look at you. Right, I, I do agree with that. And I think like the beauty part I agree, right? That's a foundational. We all, like, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? You want somebody you're attracted to, right? So that's a foundational thing. I just think there's so much of that out there, right? There's so much, you know, like, you know, it's, it's, it's going through the gram. It's like, it's a million girls that look good, but now we get the substance. It's like, I'm a substantive person. So like, I can't do shallow, right? And then I come from the old school. I'm not like this new school thing of like, uh, we just pass them around and everybody got who everybody been with. That's the cool thing. Like, I don't want somebody that everybody been with and like, yo, that was that one's girl last week and that was my girl, but she got a million followers, so we cool. Like, I, I'm from, like, I want somebody that everybody can't talk about. You know what I'm saying? So a virtuous woman. So um, all those things did, like, compile to, like, okay, what does, like, what do I need? Like, what do I want? Like, as you, to your point, like, what do I want? And then what do I need? Mm. We're really kind of the combination, like, for, for me. So it's, like, a lot of times as men, we just set up for what we want. And, like, like you said, a thing be thinging, and that's what I want. And that's good enough. So, but then you gotta get down to like, what do you need though? So, in, in, in saying that, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember that y'all were on this abstaining from having sex with each other. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and how long was this process? Because I remember you was like, well, we don't even, that's, you know, we, we, that's not what we're doing. And I was like, yeah. Really? Like, I was really like, this is what I knew that he was in love. Cause I'm like, what? Ain't no. <laughs> <laughs> this is spiritual we love each other and we, we building so tell me about that because a lot of people have not done that yeah i think that we were both very um adamant about you know if you want something you never had you got to do something you, you haven't done and i did it we both didn't want our relationship to the the, the basis the foundation to be based on sex because like jay said you can get that anywhere and we, we could all have sex um but i think we are very intentional coming out of relationships, we wanted to find something of substance. And so we said, hey, let's abstain for 90 days. And we did 90 days. We were like- It seemed like 90 days was a long damn time. It, oh, like it was you. a long, <laughs> long time. It was a long time. I was like, they still doing this? <laughs> <laughs> see that, that last like three days, like, okay, two more days, two more, okay, two more <laughs> But it was kind of cool because it was like, okay, I know you, like if, if sex fell off or, you know, God forbid one of us couldn't have sex anymore, would we still have a connection? And we do, because we mm. build the spiritual connection, the friendship connection. We got to know each other without 
you know, sex um, influencing our, our whole, our whole relationship. So I think it was a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Uh, and I know, like, for a man, like, to me, that just seems whack off face value, right? Like, and probably to most of us in the culture right now. But I don't think it seems whack. It, for me, like, I don't want to cut you off. It don't it seem whack. It just seems like, wow. Like, gotcha. you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. Because to, to, to come to that ideology, to come to that point in your mind, like, it has to be a lot of different factors, right? You got to challenge yourself. You got to look at this person. You got to actually like this person. You got to want to build. You got to want to do something that's so outside the norm. So when you when you said that, I was like, okay, now this is serious. <laughs> yeah. You got to think like, it's easy to fall in lust. Mm. You feel me? And so a lot of times, and I know myself, right? Like I'm a Scorpio, like I could fall in lust quick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's easy to fall in lust and think you in love. And I just was at such a high frequency in my life at that time. It was like, nah, I just, I don't even want to risk that. Cause you could just have a lot of fun with somebody. And next thing you know, that's just your, Y'all locked in because y'all just have so much fun. Like that's your, that's your, that's your cup buddy. But it's like I, I just wanted to bring something different to the table. It's like so to your point, it was like a wild thing. It's like yo, can I like this person and can I not get bored of this person if sex ain't what entertain us? Mm. Mm. But so let me just ask this question as we go to the business part. Uh, business. But right before that, do you think y'all were ready? Ready for what? To get married. Yeah, I do. You were ready. Yeah. I think so. I think that <laughs> <laughs> I think that having been married now, um, I appreciate all the counseling that we did and like the premarital work that we did. Um, I think that we also could have dug deeper mm-hmm. at the same time. So is it is I, marriage I, hard or is it easy? What, be honest. Is marriage easy or hard? Because well, Ernestine, is, Ernestine is ready. She got no, out. No, so, so let me, let me just I say something. Because being married, oh, understanding the dynamics of it, and a lot of people will look at relationships, right? And, 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 and since we live in the social media era, right, they only see Jay and Ernestine when they're perfect and they're loving each other and they're kissing and they're hugging and they got the African garb and then they're doing stuff. <laughs> like, this is what our relationship is. Right. So when they can see that and then you if you are able to tell them something that makes them realize, like, really, we got to work because if this person is saying that, mm-hmm. then it gives me a different understanding of what I have to do, how you have to go through marriage and and what the process is. So it, can you tell me what do you do? You think marriage is hard? I think marriage is absolutely hard, but I think it's also like any relationship. I was talking about I was talking about this with my girlfriends. Having a girlfriend, just a regular platonic girlfriend is hard. So a marriage is definitely hard. I think any two humans who decide to be connected via any type of relationship is hard because again, you have two different people from two different walks of life aligning together and joining to build a ship, joining to build a relationship. So I definitely think marriage is hard. I do agree with Jay. Um, I still I still know that I was ready. I think we were ready. I, I know we were ready. I, I do agree with Jay though. We did a lot of work. Like we read this book, um, His Needs, Her Needs before we got married. We read it together. We did it with our marriage coach. We did all the marriage coaching and all that, but I do agree that you could go deeper, but I think you could always go deeper. Even if we went deeper, there was still another layer of deeper we could have went from there. Because again, 
you meet someone at 30, 40, that's 30 or 40 years of layers that you have to break through. So I don't think the work is ever deep enough. I think you need to go deep. You need to ask each other the hard questions, the religious questions, the spiritual questions, the finance questions, all your sexual desire questions, like all of those things, I think you have to dissect and break down when you are deciding you want to marry someone because all these things come up. It, stuff comes up that you didn't even think about. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't even think to even ask about this. So I definitely think, I definitely know marriage is hard. It is, it is work. It is, it is like a job, it's, but it's a career. It's not a job that you clock in and clock out. It's a career. And, it, and, and it's like you're an entrepreneur. You know, entrepreneurs, you never stop. There is no clock out. So marriage is like entrepreneurship at the, at the highest level. <laughs> that, that's real. That's I, was really saying, I was saying that when I called you, I said, I want to specifically know what it's like when Jay decides that he's going to do something and makes decisions. And then all of a sudden you have to become a part of trying to help deal with whatever has happened. Because a lifetime plan. It ain't just, yeah. it, it ain't yeah, no thing that he says, she said, you know what I'm saying? It ain't like, hey, we go to the store. No, it's listen, we're about to start this and we're going to be <laughs> invested in this for the next 10 years. So let's get it going. And yeah. gone. Let me tell you guys something. This is how I know I'm meant to be Jay's wife. And Jay could be crazy all he wants to, but there is not many women who could stand here mm. unwavering the way I stand here unwavering. Because my husband is, one, he's a Scorpio. Two, he is a freaking large visionary. When I say the biggest visions Jay has, and he knows that he can do it, he's like, yeah, we're just, we're just gonna do this. It could be something astronomical. He's like, yeah, we're just gonna go do it. We're gonna, and we're gonna do it tomorrow. And everyone would be like, wait, wait a minute, tomorrow? Like we, hold on, wait, we gotta, we gotta grab stuff. We need, to, and he's like, no, we're doing it tomorrow. We're doing it next week. And I'm like, okay, but we all just said, we all been working diligently to go left. Now all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, you wanna go right. But we've been working for the last eight months to go left. I got all the preparation, the roadmap, everything. And then he'll be like, nah, my spirit, God just told me we're supposed to go right now. <laughs> and I'm like, God, show me telling you a lot because it's always God told him. But That's my man. <laughs> I think that I know that I am equipped to stand with Jay because we have we have been through so much already. Positive things, negative things. We have been so much to where he he Jay is ever changing. And I think that's what comes. I, I've been studying it lately because I'm like, why is my, is my husband insane or is he a genius? And I think if you study most geniuses and most visionaries, I mean, if you maybe look at the Diddy's, the Tyler Perry's, I mean, I, they're, they're always getting bright ideas, big ideas. And it's up to the team around them to either to be on board with it or not. Because one thing about Jay and, and true visionaries and leaders are going to do it anyway. And it is hard. It. <laughs> we have literally gotten to arguments and almost fights like, Dude, you said we were going left. Now we're something we're going right. I put my whole left, I put my whole being and body and and ingenuity and resources and relationships to going left. And now you want to go right. And it's there's been times where I'm like, oh my God, am I cut out for this man and his big huge mind and his big huge brain? And I remind myself, like, yes, God put you here for a reason. There was a very, very specific assignment on this man's life, and there's a very specific assignment on your life. So you have to weather the storm, baby girl. And mm. it and it always it, it always works out, but it's not always easy. Sometimes mm. I want to just that's that's a word. I come upside the dome. Sometimes I just want to oh no. Um, so in in marriage, right? Like what I realize with people, it's hard. Like being honest. Yeah. Like is it? Do you do you find at times that you want to say things or you thinking about things, even sexual, just 
the way you things that have changed, you don't like this anymore. Do, do you find it hard to like have those conversations with each other? Cause you don't want to offend. You don't want to make them feel bad. Is that a hard space for you, you guys to do? I, I would honestly say I would give us a nine and a half on a scale of 10. Yeah, we've, uh, being able to, we, yo, we've had, we probably won't discuss it here, but we've had some of the toughest conversations of honesty of like, yo, I'm here right now, or I'm on this right now, or I'm believing in this, right? We've had some very, very honest, tough, like real friend type conversations. Like, yo, I need, you know what I mean? Like, I don't need you to be my cliche wife. I don't need the princess fairy tale, group Cinderella. Like, no, nah, I need you to be my friend right now. And I want to be able to tell you what I would tell my homeboy. Like the same exact conversation I would tell my mans and them, I want to be able to tell you and you accept it as my truth as opposed to me living in a lie and vice versa for her. So I think we've done an excellent job. Um, and it's challenging, right? I don't mean that work will come behind it and all that, but I think we've done a pretty good job out of all of our different components of a marriage. I think we're like constantly bringing our, our truth and our honesty uh, to the table. And yeah, sure. this seems like from the conversation with Derek Grace and his beautiful woman, Chelsea, um, what we learn and what we keep hearing, or at least me, is that that honesty component is what actually is, is keeping people going. Like it's the, it is the work. It's deep digging enough to say, I have to be able to tell you your idea is crazy. I don't like it. It, it doesn't feel like this is going to work. It's going to get us in this problem that we already were in before. I'm not trying to break you down or, you know, and, and that's difficult because when I think for us as women, I don't know if you shared this Ernestine, but for me in, 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 in my past relationship, I wanted to just be supportive all the time. I never wanted it to feel like I didn't believe in whatever idea or whatever it was that um, he came up with. But then there was some stuff that just felt like it was unrealistic. And one of the things that my mom told me one day is never wait to say it until you blurt it out in a moment of anger. Mm -hmm sit down and have the conversation. But that's hard because you 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 need the anger as your courage juice sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you can so you can say, but but doing it calm and when somebody isn't expecting it and feeling like, wow, you're hitting me from left field, it's it's difficult. And I and the other thing I'll say is that I also have felt that my word wasn't valued either because oh I've done this before and you don't know what you're doing. You don't, you know, I'm more experienced in this area, but yet I could see a disaster coming. And sometimes I feel like our men don't necessarily listen to us or 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 um uh value what it is that we feel or the or the insight that we have. Do you think, Jay, that you do value what I mean? I know you value what Ernestine says, but do you have there been moments when you sat back and said, "Damn, I really should have listened to her." A ton of moments, right? I think that's probably been one of the one of the largest <laughs> argument, the largest argument points of our relationship is has been that, and I and I, I still don't down to stand on like um, as a, a man the head of the household. Um, you know, my job is to um, you know protect and provide, and to make sure that like I'm leading the family forward, and, and I'm responsible and accountable to God, right, for what happens within the family, and so like. I hear my my wife 
Um, and I try to remind her that, and I'm gonna say of all men right now, just because we don't do what y'all say does not mean we don't hear y'all or don't value your advice. We take the information, we assess the information, and then we do what we feel that is the best thing to do. Sometimes it's a home run, sometimes it's a big hit. Do what you want to do, regardless of what right. we say. Well, at the end think. of the day, what we feel is the best thing to do, right? Which is the thing that, right? We weren't doing that situation. We're guided to do that situation. So we have to, as, we, as family units, a couple units, is understand like, it's like, for instance, you can't put your best your best uh, baseball batter up and celebrate when we hit the home run and a triple and a double, but then when he strike out, or, you know what I mean? When you say, yo, curveball coming, curveball coming, but he don't think so, and he go with his gut, and now he strike out. Now it's like, oh, I told you so. This no, is, his gut been working. The gut no. been working before, no. right? Hand he raised. He's been using before. No, no hand Hand raised. Hand raised. Well, we can let the women speak. Let the women speak. Yes. <laughs> no hand I wasn't even done. <laughs> well, we, yeah, but you know, just know, sorry, because here's the thing. We're saying that we can see that didn't work before either. Like we know, we are like, listen, this is not the best swing for you. I have watched you. I've studied your games. I've watched your moves. Like I put the, I'm watching the tapes, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you playing the game, you moving, but I'm studying what's happening. I'm watching wow. out every time you go up to bat and you get in that position, I, I'm the one that can see what the other team is saying and doing because they're preparing to create the same shit this time Jesus. that was, that happened last time. Jesus. So this okay. is okay, okay, ah! okay. So tell me, hold on. I also want to go ahead. Go ahead, on, I, I want to piggyback off Queen Tamika. Yes, everything that she said is true. We either studied the playbook, we know your moves. However, there's also something else called discernment. Just like you know that you are blessed with certain manly powers, women, we are blessed with discernment. And I am blessed with triple discernment because this passed down from my mother. This, I get gifted. So I've already, Jay knows this and I've explained to him several times. I have been blessed with the gift of discernment. So sometimes I may see the curveball coming, even if it's not in the playbook. Even if I didn't study the other team, I did God already showed me that the curveball was coming. So I think when you get to a level of trust with your partner and understand your partner's gift of discernment, we should probably start following that gift just like I follow your gifts. So mm. it's a and, and, and it, 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 at the end of the day, that is wonderful. I know you have discernment. I know you studied your playbook. I get all that and I process all that information. <laughs> and you have to ask yourself is is my man, despite if he hits his head multiple times or whatever, is he capable? Is he smart? Is he wise? Even if he screws up and he's hard-headed or doesn't listen to me or my discernment or my gifts or my whatever, 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 at the end of the day, he reserves the right. He's earned the right. Because the same man that will get up in the middle of the night if there's somebody coming in the house and sacrifice his life for the family, is the same man that will get up and go outside and make sure everything's okay. It's the same man that I stand up that he's earned the right to be able to make that call and make that decision on regardless of what the outcome is. Now, as men, we want to always become more wiser and pay attention and look at that best counsel. We're always growing and evolving, but it doesn't mean that we get some kind of like uh, tarnish or some kind of blemish or some kind of months of I told you so's 
because you were right about something we decided to do opposite. Like you gotta be able to trust your leader. So it's it's a it's a very slippery slope, you know. Um, being in relationships, especially being in marriages, especially as men, we look for a level of belief from our our wives, right? You want your wife to believe in you. You want your wife to give you this energy that that you can't lose, right? I remember I used to watch Rocky, and I always said I would have never married Adrian. Like Adrian would just never have been my wife. But every time Rocky was about to fight. She'd be like, you can't win. You see what he said, Rocky? You can't win. You And that used to be like, Yo, what kind of wife is that? Like, I don't want that, right? As men, we want to look at our wife and say, listen, I'm about to go climb that hill. And she'd be like, you got it, baby. What you need? You need me to get some water? What you need me to do? You need to get on my shoulder? My, my man going to do it. And it's because and when you speak that energy into us, we can do anything. When we look in your face and we see that you believe in us, there's nothing in this world we're not going to accomplish. So when, when that, I think when you when you give your man that, in the one or two times you might come and say, "Well, babe, maybe we shouldn't." I don't. You know, I believe in anything you anything, but maybe we should try to not do this because something about this doesn't look right to me. It ain't about you, but to me. So when you once you poured in him to the, him that way, he's able to receive that. In a or, okay, or, in oh, hold on, hold on, wife, one second. Or some, hit some game for the queens. Or say, babe, my discernment, my spirit, I saw the playbook. I don't think you should go with it, or we should go with it that way. But it's your choice. However you rock, I'm rocking with you anyway. But I just don't think that we should go that way because of how I feel inside. But whatever you do, baby, you know I'm rocking with you. Because it's going to make you feel, because it's going to make us feel like you believe in me, but you giving me some just it don't make us feel like you just don't believe, right? And I got to prove, because the world don't believe in us. We've, we've, we've been told by everybody in the world that you're going to lose. I came from jail. They said, you ain't going to be nothing. You're going to do this. And I had to prove them wrong every time. So when I start to sense a little bit of that in my own home, it makes me feel like I got to prove to you too, like I got to prove to everybody else. And we don't want that. We, I always want to feel like this is my fate, my best teammate. Right. I always want to feel like you. Could, it's like when Jordan was on the court, it wasn't nobody like you don't give Jordan the ball. That's why he was able to hit every shot. When, when you see teams like watching Westbrook, right, it's his confidence right now in his game, his confidence, the media that made him feel like he can't hit a shot. His team is looking a little crazy when he do something wrong. Once that confidence goes from you, it, it's a lot harder. So we know that we can't let our confidence be taken. So have the have the ability and discernment to say, this message that I got to give to my husband, I just got to give it to him in a way that I know he's going to know that I still believe in him, but I just have a feeling in me and then he's going to want to trust me a little more. Just a little talk bit of game, just a little game. bit. Talk, 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 Ernestine, because that sounds, it's, it's a lot of work. That's, as you said, it's a lot of work. And I'm not sure that our brothers always understand, our kings always understand how much work it is because also and we, we, we're out of time um our next guest we could do this forever this is because i what i wanted to also get into because i know you guys are so vulnerable and transparent and everything that you are because it is what it is if we can't learn from one another then what are we doing yeah absolutely. and i was gonna ask you two two questions so maybe we'll wrap this up this way y'all talk about these two things Number one is Ernestine, do you think that Jay is as supportive of your career and your goals as you are of his ideas, his goals and his things like, or is he so busy he can't always focus? Cause that's a thing too. 
right? Like it doesn't mean you're a bad person, mm -hmm. but if you got a lot going on, it's kind of hard. And oftentimes I find that because I've been in a relationship with a very busy man who was extremely supportive financially and everything else. But when I was trying to explain the whole story, he was like, huh? Like what happened? I lost you somewhere. So that's one. And then two, the public critique that we are all, like we deal every day with people attacking us and this and that and the third. And it hurts, you know, to walk into a situation. Anybody that gets in a relationship with my son, Jay, me, Linda, the list goes on with all of us, yes. right? Of those people who are out here, Sean King, you know, you go on with the list. Ben Crump, Lee Merritt, the, the, the partner, y'all's wives and husband they are going to experience the pain, the, the brutal abuse that goes along with that. So what has that been like? And then I'm done. And then I've got one more question. I, we got to go. I feel, go. Like, I feel like we're going to need a part two for this, but I will start with the first question you asked. Is Jay as supportive of my career as I am his? And I will say this. So the answer is yes, but there's, there, there's, there's two parts. So in the love languages, in the book of the five love languages, I'm sure we're all familiar with or have read, you know, people have different love languages. And my love language is quality time and words, for, words of affirmation. I knew that before the book. I've, I've, always, I've always known that I'm attracted to. So Jay is absolutely 100% supportive, um, financially supportive, making sure stuff is lined up for me, like 100%. There have been times where I just wanted him to be there. Like the entertainment scene, the acting world is not really his world. So like he'll show up if he finds the cafe, I really want him to. But like, there have been times where I'm like, I just want you to be there. Like, yeah, I know you paid for it. I know you sent the driver. I know we, I'm straight, but like, I just want you to be there. So there have been times where I'm like, I just want you present um, mm -hmm. in the moment with me. But in his love language is acts of service. So he's like, I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna make sure the stuff is done. So Jay's 100% supportive of my career. Um, I just produced my own show, Petty Claims Court. He was there. He showed up. He was an extra in the audience. Um, I don't know if you guys watch Petty Claims Court, but yeah. yes, he was there in the courtroom. And he was he, he was totally there and showed up. Um, so that made me really happy that he was there. And yeah, he's he's extremely supportive of what I of what I do. I think that I. Um, as a woman, I'm so career driven. And I think I wanted to add this to my answer earlier about what changes in marriage. Um, I am a very career driven woman and I didn't know how being married as a woman and you, when you're married to a powerful man, it makes you get in your bag a little bit even more. Like it makes you like, okay, like I definitely got to go hard for my career because I worked so hard to build this. Whereas, you know, I probably should have been thinking, okay, let me let me, let me focus on being married mm. instead of just focusing on the career. Like I'm not focused because I've always been focused, but prioritizing, let me prioritize the family. Let me prioritize my marriage, but career driven women, we are always constantly thinking about our, our career and, and how to incorporate it into the family and everything else. So that's, that's a whole nother part too. Um, part of your second question, the scrutiny, the, the, the negativity, the comments, the, and I know we all have gone through it. And, but I think that what Jay and I have been through was a level I've, I've, I've never really witnessed or seen. And it was very hard for me. I, I'll let Jay answer for himself. I think it was a little bit easier for him, but it was very hard for me because I'd never been through anything like that. I mean, we, we had attack after attack after attack after and still do. And I had to go through the brunt of it pregnant 
which being pregnant already, you feel like you're under attack, your whole body's under attack, you're birthing something really big. Um, as you know, you're a mother, Tamika, but going through that pregnant, I, it made me fall into a very deep depression. It made me fall into a very deep depression to where Jay and I's purpose or what I thought was my purpose started to disalign because I was like, F this, F black people. I'm done with everybody. I don't even want to do it. They can do what they want to do. Leave me alone. Like that's the mentality I was growing into because I was just like, the same people that we are fighting for are the people or the same people who are fighting us. So I was like, I'm going to admit myself from the equation. F everybody. Like I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with this. I was in a very, very dark 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 place over okay. all of the all the scrutiny that we went through and, and god thank you god that i made it out of that and i birthed my baby and she was healthy and because i it was times during the brunt of all of it the height of all of it where i thought i wasn't gonna make it i didn't think my baby was gonna make it i i cried myself to sleep i was depressed i deleted my instagram page and turned off my comments i'm just like yo like these people are crazy like we're, these are the same people that we are pouring love into and resources and and education into and the same people who will put you on the damn crucifix like crucify you mm -hmm. and so that was very hard it's still very hard and i think it also made me just get more into my career i'm like f it all right cool i'm gonna this acting thing and my, my career my poetry my speaking i'm gonna pour all of that i was pouring into y'all i'm gonna pour it into my into me because i know that this is not going to fight me it's not gonna fight me back this loves me over here. You guys are not loving me. So I'm going to go over here where there's love being served still. And that, yeah, that was very hard. Mm, go where the love is be, being served. That's yeah. good. Go where the love is being served. Yes. Mm. Jay? Amen. Well, listen. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Ernestine answered it well. I mean, my, my, my perspective um, is my new perspective is really simple and succinct is when we go through these attacks and abuse, you called it, right? Um, it's just confirmation that you're in good company. Mm. Like, at the, I mean, you could just go back through history. Every revolutionary person, every person that uh, was a change agent and all that um, have been through it. There's not been, you know, like we could just go down names, right? From, from recent day to President Obama to Malcolm X, MLK, Garvey, right? You, Sean King, everybody. So Moses, uh, you know what I'm saying? Joseph, Jacob, Aaron, like Jesus, call it. So to me, it just means like you're just in good company. Like you just got to accept that, um, you know, that's the calling God put on your life. And had you not been walking that calling, you took an easier route, you know, you wouldn't have been obedient and, you, you know, you, you would be in different kind of company. So I just, um, I've learned and evolved to, 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 to embrace it and wear it as a rite of passage and a badge of honor. Mice, you said you had another question. No, I don't really have no other questions, man. I think y'all pretty much summed it up. It's, it was amazing. You know, I always speak to y'all alone and we, and, we, and we build all the time. And I, and I love both of you. I love what you are, I love what you've grown into. I love what you represent. We love you back, you know, and we just appreciate y'all, man. It's good to be able to talk talk to people who are all on the same purpose that you are, man. Yeah. You know, because we know that our people are some people hard to fight for, man. They they, yeah. they, they try they trying to shoot you while you try to take the knife out their back. So you know, yes. Yes. this is our calling. So you know, let's keep keep on winning, man. The, the Morrisons, yeah, one of the couples to, to um to motto. The Morrisons, thank you. God's grace. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining Street Politicians today. It's your first time on the show together. 
that you guys have to come back separately because there's so much more that I think you can contribute to all of the conversations that we have on this show. We love y'all, appreciate you all, and kiss you. the babies, the whole, all of the children, the village uh, for me. I love y'all too, peace. Thank you for having us. So I think, you know, that was a really good interview. I knew that though, and I think we both knew it. And, and I think what happened was, while we were talking to um, Derek Grace and Chelsea, in my mind, I was thinking, wow, there's so much more to explore, but we didn't have two hours because we talked to them for a long time. We didn't have two hours to stay in that conversation. And it was really coming to me that um, there are other couples that we know that that working together component is so important. I do think that this idea of love and relationships like everything else in our society is evolving. That is also just the ideology and, and the path forward for like sustainable relationships. I don't know if I wanna say it's changing because I do think the traditional ideas of marriage and love works for a lot of people, but there has to be something more uh, that we can do like to be more honest or whatever about where we are so that we can keep more black families together. And I know there are people who will probably say, why are they talking about this? But, you know, first of all, we stay current. It is the love season, um, black love, black history month. But I, I, I see so many of my friends and me as single women out here trying to sort of navigate and figure it out. And I think oftentimes it's because we have been told something is supposed to be a certain way. And when it's not that way, it throws off our ability to be able to see a broader picture. So I think, you know, Ernestine saying, yo, it's hard, but it's a career and it is work. You know, mm -hmm. I think that for me was probably the most powerful point. I think, you know, just being married and understanding the dynamics, understanding the ups, the downs and everything. I think when you, when you look at marriage, you have to view it as a business, right? Like love can be a foundation, can be one of the foundations that is built on. It has to be built on communication. It has to be built on respect. I think you have to have a friendship, right? And I think when you see fr real friends do business properly, they, they're very, they're able to build together, right? You can build on your own. Right. And, and you can and you can meet business partners outside of your own that once you've already established your building, my, your business model and your structure that you're able to be successful. But it's almost impossible to be in a marriage with someone where you're not equally yoked and you're not moving and you're not you're not building on a business model or structure like everything that we do is going to build and give our foundation stronger. Right. It's almost impossible to do that separately. You know, it's, it's, it's not so if, if you don't see that your marriage is a business and the mind state that your, your, your spouse has, you know, you have to continue to encourage them. You got to support them emotionally, physically, financially. They got to be able to sleep good because they got to be able to think they got to be able to eat so they can go to work. So they can come back in these bills. If you don't view your marriage as in that manner, then there's no way for it to actually prosper and so when you when you listen to both of those couples even though one was polyamorous and one was traditional it's it's it basically just the same thing right you know, they both they both view understand how important it is for 
us to support each other and value each other and to build, as Jay says all the time, you know, we, we, this is for our family's last name. Everything right. I do is for yeah. my family's last name. And if both people don't see that, then it's, it's almost impossible to grow. Yeah. So that's that, um, you know, till next year. I mean, I'm sure because now it seems that this is such a popular topic. We're going to be talking to couples and people throughout the, the course of, of, you know, the year that come from different perspectives on how to keep, maintain all types of relationships. So that's a good thing, but we're going to shift gears and invite a yet another friend. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Tori actually has been with us before. Um, my brother, our brother, Tori Russell, uh, from the International Black Freedom Alliance in Missouri, in St. Louis, where real black, blacky, black, black, black people live, black. fight and do business and organizing every day. Tori is a freedom fighter. Um, he is one of the leaders of the Ferguson movement that stood tall, continues to stand tall for um, our fallen brother, fallen soldier, Mike Brown uh, Jr. And um, and also, you know, I think the thing that that for Tori that that is most significant in my life is he, is you, Tori, because you're already here, being an incredible strategist um, and and how. So many in the movement don't give you credit for being the think tank and the brains behind a lot of things that we see out there. Because if I say, oh, you know, I want to do this, I want to move to Kentucky for Breonna Taylor, I want to do these other things. It's really the conversations with you where we process 
how it's going to work, what's the pros and cons that helps to advance us forward. So Tori Russell, we want to say thank you for joining Street Politicians for your second time. You are one of the only people, maybe you and maybe two other people who've been on our show more than right. once. So there you go. 2022 flavor. <laughs> yeah, feel, feel privileged, King. Black King. Appreciate so, for having me. So, Tori, we want to talk about this whole crack pipe pipe issue that we've been hearing about. And I was thinking, I was like, Mice, who do you think is the right person to come on to talk through? Because it's it's not funny. It's not funny at all. It's not funny. But it's hilarious. Like it's it's not funny, but it's hilarious how like everything we've been fight we say we want, right? We done said we want uh, our voting rights to be secured. We want reparations. We want marijuana legislation passed. We want people to free from prison. We want political prisoners freed. We want our abortion rights. We want George Floyd Justice Policing Act. We want all that in the racial justice context, but somehow what ends up coming to us is Juneteenth holiday. And I don't know some stuff, I'm not gonna say nothing because you know somebody showed me the other day the administration done a few things here and there and whether you want to- But it ain't what we asked for. I know, but if whether you want to believe it or not, the infrastructure bill has some important things in it, in terms of people getting back to work. And now you have the, the drug or the, what is it, harm reduction strategy, which is an important thing. But like my son said, what did you say, Mice? It ain't what we asked for, Joe. <laughs> what you Joe, think? Come on, Joe. <laughs> like, Tori, tell me, like, I'm, you, you're watching, you, you're on the internet, you're scrolling down, you know, and, and you see that Joe Biden improves the distribution of crack pipes and paraphernalia and drug paraphernalia for racial equity. And, 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 they, and they say in the interest of racial equity. Like, what do you think at that moment? He playing in our face. <laughs> he keep playing in our face, fam. It's like, you know, let my people go. You know, how you going to give us the crack pipe without freeing the crack dealer? You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? You know, my cousin, them still locked up behind some laws that you put in place. Where, where, where they at? Um, if you can give out crack pipes or, or paraphernalia or harm reduction, because, you know, neoliberals like to talk about harm reduction. Um, why are you being harmed? You know, like less harm is OK. I, I want all the harm gone. And so it's like you could have sent a big mama uh, some free insulin for that kind of budget. Mm. It's a lot of people, come on now, now if you're gonna give that out, then what about the insulin? What about some things that I know in my community we need? Um, and even when we talk about like Juneteenth, you know, before Juneteenth, they came kneeling with kente cloths. Mm -hmm. um, so all we get is symbolism and not substance, um, you know, and that's the problem. You know, what's the point of putting Harriet Tubman and Maya Angelou on some dollars and they ain't gonna be in black people's pockets? Mm. You know what's interesting? is when you say the insulin and other things like that, what immediately hit me is, first of all, I do believe in harm reduction. I do believe that I understand that there are people who use drugs who are out here spreading disease 
And there is a need to have safe housing where once you get them, I guess the point of safe housing is if we can draw them here and letting them know that there's a safe place, we can keep them cleaned up and hopefully get them the help that they need and get them back into society. I'm with all of that. But yet and still, that's a small segment of the population. I not walk in my family. There are not 10 people on crack in, you know, in one, one, one area or whatever, right? It's not, that's just not my, that's not our situation. Mm -hmm. So why do I need more focus on that than I do the fact that I know I have at least 20 people who have diabetes, heart issues, and the list goes cancer. Uh, exactly. Yeah, and, and I think for me, you know, just going through the situation that I just went through with my mother and just watching how resources are so scarce for people who are actually dying, like from diseases like cancer, like, you know, medication was costing like $300. And immediately when she was sick, they was trying to take away her insurance, you know? So I had to physically buy medication that she needed for $300 every time I was going to the doctor, right? But you can give out crack pipes, but you can't give this medication to people who are terminally ill, just, just and all they need is certain things to just to make them comfortable. You don't want to you you don't want to make people that you know are terminally ill comfortable, but you want to give us crack pipes and you want to give us safe havens, a place that you can go and and, and put insulin and, and put um heroin inside your veins and all these things. And it's just like, what do you what are you actually trying to say to us? Like, what 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 are we thinking that we don't see that when people are not outraged by this? When we're not sitting there saying, yo, this has got to stop. When when our voices are not loud at these times. What is it actually saying? What are we saying? You know, I, as I look at, it, I said like, like I get harm reduction too. You know, but you know what can more addictive um, than crack? Mm. Sugar, mm. fried foods. So harm reduction would look like putting some grocery stores in the hood. Mm -hmm. Look like gardens and farms in the hood. Look like some healthy food choices. I mean, we if we're gonna talk about harm reduction um, and being healthier, then you know the school lunches should look like something um, that I would actually buy um, with my own money. And that's the problem. It's like they don't think about that. I don't know who in the White House. You know, we might want to. Uh, you know, I don't know what Simone doing in the back, but Simone might want to tap him on the shoulder and be like, "Yeah, Simone man, is that not." Simone is no longer in the White House. She ain't there? Okay. No. So, you know, she, that, she had to, and that's the thing. Maybe it ain't enough. Right. Yes. Enough to connected Simone. to the struggle. Right. Um, maybe, maybe that's the biggest problem. I think yeah. it's that, too. And I think a lot of them got in these rooms and realized, oh, these people ain't trying to change nothing. You know what I'm saying? Me standing next to them, eventually, I'm just I'm just a token Black. You know? So I think our our approach to the system has to be different, right? Our approach to it has to be very intentional. Mm -hmm. Like everything that we do have to be intentional. We gotta say, this is exactly what we want. We're not doing nothing else until we get this. Mm -hmm. And right. if we don't get this, we're willing to do this. Like this has, it has to be very serious because I think 
you know, watch playing this political game that they playing. Oh, the Dems want to do this, but the Republicans don't want to do it. Okay, the Republicans aren't going to do it. Boom, boom, boom. Then we get a Republican thing, and then they give you one ten for what you do, and then they say, "Look, we did. We tried to help you. Look, the Dems ain't want to do nothing, but no, the Dems wanted to get this done, and you knew they wasn't going. You wasn't trying to free us, so you said we're going to let three people go, and we still going to keep the million people, and the three people going to say, "Well, he let me go." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, look, look what he did for me. The three people. That's Trump. That's the, Trump. Yeah, that's Trump. That's Trump what I'm saying. People, but you, you ignore that Obama was trying to give retroactive laws that would have freed all the people. And then y'all said, absolutely not. And then y'all let 10 people go. And he said, look, Trump let the people go. Obama ain't let nobody go because they play this game. It's a game that everybody's playing. And we got to be tired of playing the game. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think the only solutions, and this go back from Ferguson to Baltimore to us pulling up in, in Louisville, Kentucky, kind of chopping it up, seeing um, with uh, Daniel Cameron and some of even the, the, the white so-called allied Democrats and people right. on the city council. It's like, for Black people, we need three full steps, and it ain't it. Ain't it. It's first and foremost, the activists, advocates, organizers, the community leaders, and those people who are reluctant leaders, uh, we need to band together and get them to run. We need um, you know, we need less, really, and, and I'm just, you know, I got to call it like it is. We need less Cory Booker Democrats, and we need more uh, Gary Chamber uh, Democrats. I mean, we need some senators that's going to speak nah, their you mind. Did you did it wrong. You did it wrong. What you mean? Me, we need less Cory Booker Democrats okay. and more Cory Bush, Bush Democrats. But so listen, the, the thing Bush. is... The thing is, and, and Corey, Corey, my, my, you know, she my congresswoman. So, you know, one is Gary going to, he want to go to the Senate and Corey right. is in the, in the house. Right, and so right. we need both. Right. It's not of good course. enough to have them just one and the other, because, you know, it's a thing about the Congressional Black Caucus for black people. We have to, you know, not flip people and flip seats from Democrat to Republican or move people. We need to remove some of these House Negroes in the Congressional Black Caucus. Mm-hmm. And so that's our first issue. Our second issue is a Black agenda. And so what my son is talking about is, yeah, you know, it's, it's not enough to have, um, you know, Simone or Karen or Pierre and other people going there and being one Black person in the room talking to Kamala, talking to Biden. We need some Black people to say, look, this is what the agenda is. And we have to shout it out. Shout out to Ice Cube for being more politically correct and most of our political leaders and pundits on TV, while he, everyone was shouting them down, he was saying, let's sit down with both sides and see who can get the best deal from Ice Cube to Killer Mike. And then third, if if, if we can't get our people in, um, if they want to kind of go against like they did Charles Booker and had the right white girl run against him in the primary and now he can't get in and we can't get our black agenda listened to then black people locally um, in districts all across the country, we need our own political party. So I see the things that Wes talking about, I see the things that Diddy doing, but we need uh, our own black political party funded by everybody on our one agenda and run this thing, not only, not when it's shiny, not when we talking about the president or the Senate or the Congress, we talking about mayors, we talking about governors, we talking about attorney generals, but we also talking about city councils and school boards. And so we can debate about if critical race theory is this and that, but if we run the school board, we can teach the real history and it ain't gonna be um, that it started um, in 1865 or that black people didn't do this. We're gonna tell the whole history from Africa all the way to today. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think that there is a need for um, an entire shift in focus that, in terms of where our movement is in general. I think we've gotten so caught up in who got what, who looked like this, you know, who who's close to Biden, who can get a meeting, who can't, that we sort of have lost the point that all of us are in the same struggle. Even if you got a little extra two dollars in your pocket, you still can be a rich dead Negro. Your child can be killed on the way to the basketball game at Harvard or wherever else. And guess what? What is even more likely and frequently happening is that while you may not be shot down by a bullet, there is a, a, a destruction of our minds based upon the aggression that we have to deal with every day. Um, the idea that you have to go to work and be something that you are not just so that you can make massa happy, right? Make massa stay off your back. That is killing us probably at a far more, a far higher rate than just being shot and killed by a police officer or, you know, or, or something so graphic. And so I agree that at this point, there has to be a refocus. And I support a thousand percent what Wes and, um, and um, uh, Diddy and others are doing to try to put the pieces together of what our own party would look like. And I've been saying over and over, it may not start with us having our own candidates and, and leaving the system. It may start with us, of course, having our own candidates, but you know what I mean. We're not running mm -hmm. totally on a separate political line. One ticket, right. right. On one ticket, like an independent situation. Or like the Working Families Party. Working right, party. Right. We may yeah. have to grow to that. But when we start out with the basic agenda, where, again, to your point about Ice Cube, because I've been saying it over and over. I don't think that Ice Cube was wrong at all, period, not at all. We all support and agree with what he was saying and what needs to be done. What we said was the timing of this is off because we are now talking to Lucifer and his cousin, right? We're in a situation here where this is a very, it's a very difficult thing because no matter what you could say, Trump, I don't care, you know, we, we want Trump, we want we will we'll take Trump. That's what somebody people say. They don't say they want him. Most people, they say, we'll take it. It all looks the same. It actually doesn't look the same because the policies that are being presented by this administration, whether it actually gets done, whether we, we, we which we don't, with half the shit that they do. But nonetheless, it looks very different what the Democrats are their agenda is and what they're fighting for than what they are doing on the conservative side, on the Republican side. If you look at what just happened in Alabama with the redistricting laws, where the Supreme Court has upheld their right to go and redraw the districts in Alabama, which will draw out Black folks. Those are conservative strategies that will ultimately allow them to take over this nation and do, and fascism become it at its, at its strongest, right? So we know that. So my position with Ice Cube was, my brother, let me help you, first of all. Yeah. And now when we got 2911 people running for 
uh, Democratic nomination, this is the perfect time to slam them all and say what you got. Uh, what's her name, Marianne Williamson? Because that's who I like. But but mm-hmm. I was I was I was I was um you know obviously with um what's her name uh, Elizabeth Warren a little bit Bernie okay. a little bit you know we was up in there. But we we yeah, y'all y'all was dating y'all wasn't y'all wasn't going dating we was courting we was courting we needed we need to just not nothing's wrong with Ice Cube anybody when I say we have to up our our strategic we got to up our strategic game yes we know now what we want to demand we know how to make the demand we know our power. But now we got to get focused like they are so we can get on a real timeline of when to strike. And the time to strike is when we can actually scare even the Republican side, because now they know we got options and our people are focused on the fact that we're going to choose not just Joe Biden, who thinks he's our friend. Fuck Joe Biden. Fuck Clyburn telling us that we got to go with Joe Biden. We the people decided we went boom, 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 boom. So I'm just saying all of that. I know I'm talking long, but it's so much to undress in order to get us to where we're going. And I personally think we're actually getting there because people are now sitting back saying, wait, what the hell happened? Yeah, how we get here? How, how, right. you, how, we, how we get to Biden and Clyburn talking about uh, we are, uh, reparations, who need that? Like, what, you know, like, what, you black, sir? Like, you ain't got no ancestors back there? You in the deep south, you in South Carolina, you in a corridor of shame, family. So it's 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 pragmatic, but at the same time, you know me, I'm for I'm for black people coming together. We ain't gotta agree. We got to have different tactics and strategies, but we gotta come together and have some unification on what we're gonna do and how we're gonna operate with one another. If some people I'm probably more, you know, rap, and then I like it that way. But other people might not take it that way. But we do have agreement on that Big Mama should have an answer. We have agreement on that everybody should have masks. We yeah. do have agreement on that the curriculum in my school, be it early childhood, K through 12, or the HBCU should be fully funded and they should be teaching us the truth, right? And we have some unified ways that we can connect. But this secular thing, or like you said, if Ice Cube would have, you know, when we was trying to hit them up, if he would have hit us up and said, hey, look, I said, bro, you about mm, five or six months off, Okay, beloved, you're a little off, sir. I don't know if he was in the back on a yacht or making another, you know, movie or something. Or trying to figure off. it out. He but was trying to figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let us, and so this the thing is, like you said, I'm not really a classist person in that way. I understand that any Negro from any class can sell you out. I didn't see poor Negroes sell you out. I didn't see rich niggas sell you out. But I didn't see rich niggas get me out of jail. I didn't see rich niggas come down to the ground. So we just need a unified effort between the rappers, the actors, um, the techies, the educators, the activists, the advocates, and the lobbyists to come together, have one conference, bang this out, spread the money around so people can get everybody in our community. Because we building Black agendas, and I get it, but unless we have the resources and the platform sure to take it to the people and the projects and, and you know, in the public housing and why they working at the, at the, at the job, then we ain't never going to get it to the masses of people to even get a voting block to do what we did in Georgia. Just imagine what Georgia could be if we was moving that block for Stacey Abrams or for a candidate that say, look, my number one thing I'm running for is reparations for black people 
or my number one thing is I'm not going to go for tip, you know, tip for tat or go for symbolism. I need some concrete. We getting there. There's some districts that's doing some of that, but I think the connections are not there. And so I think that's our job as movement leaders and organizers to do that. Ice Cube, well, pick up the phone, fam. Well, I know, I know we're doing this, the, um, the National Black um, Political Convention in Newark this okay. spring coming up. So it's, it's, it's geared toward that. It's um, going to be, Chokeway is going to be one of the sponsors of it, him and Mayor Barack. So it's- Baraka, Baraka. Baraka, I apologize, Mayor Baraka. So we, I'm on a, I'm on a com planning committee for that now. So I think that's going to be something that everybody, I think that's one of the major discussions. Like how do we move forward? How do we unify? How do we get one agenda? How do we get one motion? How do we get like, this, like the ocean, move like the ocean to get where we need to go, man. So these conversations are needed, man. We definitely- And I think, and I, and I feel like these conversations in public and many black, you know, from BNC, from Revolt TV to, to everybody from Breakfast Club, everybody having these conversations. If we had the conversations in the back room and we come out in public, then that's the only thing that we can talk about is what we talking about in our agenda. And I celebrate anybody that try to hold the Democrats or Republicans responsible because both of them, you know, they just two different brands of white supremacy. That's right. Uh, most of them are not Cori Bush. They ain't going to be Ayanna Presley. They're not going to be Gary Chamber. And so until we get the majority of the Congressional Black Caucus to do what, uh, you know, Manchin and Cinema doing for, for white supremacists, when the Congressional Black Caucus willing to set down the country for reparations, for healthcare, for education, HBC funding, so on and so forth, then we'll have something strong. And until the end, we're gonna use our platforms, we're gonna use our social media, and we're gonna door knock and get to the people. Well, that's all there is to be said. So I um, I just wanna say, I appreciate your perspective. I think you definitely, as you said, you're much more radical um, and you- Twinkle, twinkle. You, you have helped to even sort of stretch the bounds of what we as leaders are capable of just because we're able to see sort of outside of the framework. So, you know, we can all sometimes get the plan inside of a box and mm. it's time to move outside of it. And I appreciate the reason. One of the things that I think makes me a greater leader is being around people like my son and yourself. Ooh, and, and a lot of people, they probably look at me and they're like, you know, why are you doing that? Like, why don't you go and be around some of our other brothers that are super polished, you know, super dope, educated. They got all the things. You guys have the exact same attributes, but the additional component is actually experiencing the issues, like really experiencing it, but living it every day and also working very closely with those people who are still experiencing these issues. So that's what I'm attracted to. And I just want to say to both of y'all, I love y'all and you guys really do make me better. Okay, okay. I got my flowers today. You hear that, Mike? You a little bit of, get you a little flower today. A little flower. We got our flowers today. Appreciate you. Right. Oh, you know, well, that was I'm, nice. Well, that I'm going nice. to say the same back to you, Tamika, because what happens is, is we, before the movement or in the beginning, people would say things like, what if Malcolm and Morton could work together? What if the Black Panthers could work with SNCC and the SELC? And what I see more times than not is that's what we do. Mm. And so 
you know, from, you know, from the boulevard to the borough, um, to Capitol Hill, back to the hood, to the college campus, if you can have all these people from us, from me to Tamika, with Linda, with my son, to Tina, Tiffany, like we can go get people that's not uh, traditionally ever going to be in the room, come out of the room, slug it out, debate, cuss, uh, go all up. No, no, nigga, this ain't blah, blah, blah. And then we come out unified and we still get things done from Breonna Taylor to Mike Brown and so on and so forth. And we doing our job. Um, I think we just have to kind of figure out how we can duplicate this, how we can find our younger selves, our older selves and the, and, and the people in the grassroots and kind of, you know, solidify this process so people can know in history that in, in our real time, in our generation, we doing things like they did, but we doing something different because uh, we expect something different because it's our time. We need something different. We need something said, different, fam. We appreciate you, King. Keep doing the work. You know, we're going to call you when we need you. Make good trouble. Good trouble, always. Cause a little rugged. Hit me up on the on the Black Political Convention. I can plug you into some people and some things that people work on. Um, can't wait till y'all come back up. If not, I'll probably pull up on y'all. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, drinks on y'all, though, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks okay. for joining us, Free Politicians, today. Tori Russell, our brother, thank you for being with us. Appreciate you. Peace, T. And shout out to our brother Tory, man, always giving us a perspective from, you know, people don't know that Tory's an educator. He's not just a strategist, he's actually a teacher, mm. you know, and I didn't know that. So when he was, he always has historic facts that I never even know. Like he would be talking about something, but you know, in 1652, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> out of nowhere, like, you know, we'd be talking about walking down the block, like, you know this building right here, it was built in 1500s and it was by these people and he, and he breaks it all the way down. And you know, he, he's very, very um, astute in that manner. So his perspective and his, his perspective on politics is coupled with his knowledge of history and understanding where we are in this time. And him just being from the hood, you combine all of that, man, you got, you got real education. So I always like to hear Tory's perspectives. And you know, he always gives me more of some fuel to continue to do what I'm doing because I know I'm on the right road, man. So appreciate Tori. And, and I and we didn't even get a chance to talk about how, you know, I've also had to challenge Tori. Like it doesn't mean that any one of us has it all figured out. You know, we all are, if every day we're trying to, we sort of like what you say, dodge, dodging and weaving. And sometimes we have to pull one another's coattails and say, hey, how you're approaching this thing, let me give you all the ways in which this is going to impact our people and impact our communities. So anyway, though, it's good to have Tori on today. I think it's been a, 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 an insightful conversation in general. And that kind of brings me to my, I don't get it. You know, it's, I know it's a topic that's a little old, you know, I've been a little back off of social media for a few days, you know, in light of what's going on with my mom. But um, this whole Joe Rogan situation, you know, and in comparison to Whoopi situation. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy to me. You know, I hear how India Iria um, originally wanted to pull her, mu her music from Spotify based on you know, the comments that Joe Rogan made, 
you know, with the nigger comments and also the monkeys and Planet of the Apes comments that he made. And, and then I hear recently that she accepts his apology and, and no longer wants to do that. And it's just like, I don't understand the, you know, I don't understand how people don't see the difference. I've heard a lot of different people speaking up and saying that Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan is not racist. You know what I'm saying? He's not racist. I don't understand why people are calling him racist, this and that, and, and they've spoken up. But I haven't heard those same people who've spoken and said those things about Joe Rogan say that, well, Whoopi said is nowhere near racist. It's actually just somebody who had, has a different perspective or understanding of something. Even if she was wrong or right of what she thought race meant to her and how she expressed it, there was no ill intentions. There was no intention to harm. There was nobody making fun of anybody. There was no one trying to make light of something that happened to somebody. There was no one using derogatory names that historically have been you know, derogatory and used to harm someone. Nobody did that. You know, Joe Rogan used the word nigger that historically has been used to harm black people by white people. That every time it's been said by white people, it's been said that it's not to be said by white people. <laughs> he called black people monkeys, planet of the apes. He, he said that, you know, they laughed about it. They thought it was a joke. You know what I'm saying? And, and we, we know that the reference from white people to black people calling them apes and monkeys is a racist comment. There's no nothing to say about it. You like Joe Rogan, you like a lot of things he do. There are race, racist white people that you will like, right? There are racist white people who they they don't, they won't do something to harm you, but they just see you as a monkey. They just see you as a nigger because that's what they've been taught. That's what they've learned. They don't see you as the same level of value and stature that they have. And you might actually like that person because everything else they do outside of that is cool with you. They say a bunch of other good shit that you like and you go there and you're like, oh, this person is dope. But they say some racist shit and you might have your racist friend that's okay with you. But if you, but you can't say that it ain't racist. Don't say that it ain't racist. Don't say that what you, that the sky ain't blue when we can see the sky is blue. Say that you don't mind that the sky is blue. You would rather it be purple or something else, but acknowledge that it's blue, right? Mm -hmm. So when we look at Whoopi's situation, Black people say she ain't said nothing wrong. Say she ain't intentionally say something to harm somebody. Say that even if she was misinformed or she wasn't educated properly or you don't agree with what she said, you know that there was no intent to harm someone, right? You, she, you know that she didn't think that when she said that, that someone would feel like they were harmed and that she intentionally tried to disrespect somebody, right? When we know when the word is nigger is used, every time it's used by a, black, a white person, black people are disrespected. We know when you refer to black people as monkeys and apes, they are disrespected. I don't get how every, anyone can see something wrong with one and not see them something wrong with the other, right? And, and, and not have the same vigor to utilize their platforms or their voices to say, hey, this shit that's happening in Whoopi don't even make sense to me. I don't understand how we're doing this, but you can say something about Joe Rogan. And I'm saying that about black people. I'm saying black people who know the historic context of apes and monkeys used by black people used by white people and nigga used by black people. I mean, by white people. So I just don't get how we constantly, you know, we get on our, our horse 
and we, we cap for white people, but we don't utilize the same, the same energy to save and speak up on behalf of our black people. And I, I don't think I'm never gonna get it. I know that it happens. I see it happen every day, but I don't think I'm never gonna get it and I'm never gonna be okay with it. If we don't think nothing should happen to Joe Rogan and we think that it's okay, then we should have made sure that there's no way that Whoopi got no suspension for two weeks for saying something about race in a perspective that she thought. Not something that was negative, not something that was harmful. She didn't say what happened to the Jewish community was right. She didn't say, oh, she didn't use derogatory terms to talk about Jews. She said it wasn't racist. She didn't think that. She thought color, blacks, and whites was race, like most people do. Most mm -hmm. people are not aware. Most people see, oh, we thought the Jewish was a religion. We didn't know that it was a race, right? So well, it's it, not. It's not. It's not a race. Okay. And I think that what we learned together, the educational component was that the what happened to the Jewish people was based upon other individuals who want to be or wanted to be the more dominant, powerful race. So therefore, you understand why racism plays a role because the social construct struct and the mental, um, uh, the dominance of one group over another is what we see happen with white supremacy all the time. So we learned the issue. And I think with Whoopi also learned the issue. Nonetheless, the way in which she was chastised for her comments, which I agree with you, were not, Ill there was intent. no ill intent I don't think there, I don't think anybody really has said there was ill intent. However, and there was an immediate apology. Right. And there was a, an apology. Well, one thing I will say that I've also heard many people, not just Jewish people, but black folks and others say is that what you may not mean to be harmful can still hurt other people. Right. So that's why an apology is necessary. And that's why she did what she did to apologize immediately because, whoa, I didn't know I was educated. I'm, I apologize. I'm sorry. This wasn't it wasn't my intention to harm, hurt, whatever. OK, cool. To me, to me. Right. That was very sincere because she immediately corrected herself for making a statement and then being educated that actually the way you're seeing it is from a very narrow perspective and let's broaden your understanding so you could see it from a different perspective. I think that was very important, but I do see the disparity in the way in which a corporation can listen to a man using language that, as you said, has been identified 100% to be offensive, to be disrespectful, to be all the harmful, everything else intentionally, right? How they could see that behavior and not find reason to at least, if nothing else, suspend him for two weeks. You know what I think is, it is interesting, and I'll really leave this here. It's interesting to me that even so even though this happens in the same exact time period as Whoopi, this is just days apart. If, if it were the other way around, just because Joe Rogan was um, um, 
excuse me, just because Joe Rogan would have been like suspended if it was the other way around, same scenario, the other way around, just because he was suspended, that would have set the tone for Whoopi coming behind him. She would have had to be suspended just because it already happened at Spotify with a white man. But it did not go that way based upon the fact that a black woman at ABC was just uh, chastised and reprimanded for what she did. And then a couple of days later, something that was way more blatant. I'm not trying to be clear because, you know, they'll go and say and recreate what we're saying. I'm not saying that there are not folks that hold, heard what we speaking and said, oh my God, like she doesn't get it. This hurt me. She erased my experience or my understanding. We're not saying that. We're saying that in these two situations, you had someone who was clearly ignorant to what we have now learned to be different, right? From what some people knew or what Whoopi understood. Now you go to a situation where we know that Joe Rogan was not ignorant because he said when he made the statement about the Planet of the Apes, that's mm -hmm. real racist. He said that. So he knew what he was saying was wrong, but he did it anyway. And you can't tell me that he didn't think. He even challenged whoever his co-host or the other person, the guest that was on the show with him. He challenged that person. I bet you you won't say nigga. You don't want to say it. You don't want to say it. Say nigga. Say nigga. He did that. He challenged him. So he was there playing a game. And even though Whoopi was reprimanded, he has not been. He's, his apology, the white man's apology was accepted with no further consequences. Black people came with the cake. Just like oh. this. Yeah. To the white man's rescue. He ain't racist. That's my friend. He ain't racist. So what he said, nigga, and called us monkey. He ain't racist. He works with black people. He, That's what he works with black people. Man. Don't ever call you. Listen, he can call us monkeys and planets and apes. <laughs> it's not racist. Moving right along. And with that said, another dope episode. Shout out to King Jay and King Queen Ernestine on their dope interview. Um, I just want to say to my angel, to my queen, to my mama, I love you. You know, you fought one of the biggest fights I've ever seen. And I know why I am a king, because you are a queen. And I will continue to live on this earth and make you proud. R.I.P. to the great Patricia Lennon. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. That's how we own it! Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there.
Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.